to another episode of Saying the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 9, Episode 17, which is titled The Advocate. The episode aired on March 13, 2003. Lauren was going that week 20 years ago. This one made me sad. I'm sorry, nothing else important happened, really. Nothing else, like, super significant that I could easily explain. That's fine. Beloved children's TV host Fred Rogers dies of stomach cancer at age 74. Rogers was, of course, the creator and star of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, an educational TV show aimed at preschoolers but loved by people of all ages, which ran for 912 episodes across 31 seasons, ending in 2001. And I want you to know, I did a deep dive because I was waiting for us to start recording. You can watch a lot of this on PBS Kids for free. So if any of you cool. are feeling particularly nostalgic, just just go. They've got a selection of episodes. I think it rotates out of what you can watch for free on PBS Kids. 912 episodes across 31 seasons neighboring the tone when like when i was when thinking we start i off? was thinking like <laughs> setting the trolley because he had the little trolley in the neighborhood we've got options we've got options. we can workshop it we can we can workshop it but i don't tempt me daniel i've already got eight other shows i want to do don't tempt me we'll just do an entire season of our favorite mr rogers episodes there you go get at me um cool film debuts over the three-week break included old school Gods and Generals, notable only because of how massive a flop it was, Cradle to the Grave, Agent Cody Banks, Tears of the Sun, and The Hunted. However, Bringing Down the House is your number one movie for the second week in a row. Um, of note, in Gods with Gods and Generals, it was a uh, it only ever it only made worldwide eighteen just over eighteen thousand or just over nineteen thousand dollars on a budget of fifty six million. Oh, holy yeah. shit! Guess people don't want to see a movie about Confederate General Stonewall Jackson. So, Oof. yeah. What what is the opposite of a murderer's row? Because like that that might be one of the most disappointing like rundowns of movies I can think of. Like, this- hey, old school is fucking funny as hell. But I say that not having seen it in like 15 years, so don't shatter my uh, yeah, I'm, don't shatter my illusions. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure Jake and I rewatched it on vacation about a year ago, and I will say it it doesn't age as poorly as some other films of its same era and same genre. Um, but you know, it's a it's a gross out college uh, frat movie from 2002. There's going to be some stuff in there that does not pass the 2023 smell test. I'm sorry to say. I think I've only seen it like once. The Will Ferrell stuff is, uh, as always, impeccable. Like Will Ferrell screaming, uh, "We're going streaking!" and "You're my boy, Blue." Uh, those those will never get old. And yeah. singing "Dust into the Dust into the Into the Wind" or. <laughs> Dust, Dust into in the, the wind. wind. Really, the wind. Okay. really, Will Ferrell is the only part of that movie that you need. The rest of it is very, and blue. very dispensable. But yeah, but I, I lump him in. You know what Will Ferrell movie lives rent free in my head, and I couldn't tell you why. Elf. Talladega Nights. Being first, was... you're last. It's a good yeah. life lesson. Daniel, you look very disappointed. I was just uh, Talladega Nights is sort of like. It's the it's the little Nikki of the Will Ferrell experience for me. Like it's the it's the point no. it's the point in it's not that it's necessarily a bad movie, it's just it's the point in the the timeline where I kinda go, 
oh, maybe I won't watch this forever. Like, maybe I won't be That's obsessed fair. with Will Ferrell movies forever. Like, there was a, there was an expiration date for me on that phenomenon. Just like with Adam I, Sandler, Will Ferrell had his time, too. I think I love it also because it was the first movie that made me fall in love with John C. Riley. Sure. Like, no, realize he, that, how that fucking man is, funny he is. He is a treasure. But anyway, uh, moving on. Indie Club by 50 Cent is your new number one song. Daniel, get, what else was on? Get used to that song, people. Oh, great. I have to say in Duck Club every yes. week until it's great. You get it enunciated awesome. properly, too. In Duck Club. Got it. Stellar. They're, Daniel, what else was on? They're in the they're in the 2003 segment in 302010 uh, right now, so I can tell you kind of how far into the future this no, is going to go. No, it's fine. It's fine. This is going to be another boys to men situation. It's fine. It's not great. I'll live. Uh, what else is on at 8 p.m. Friends with the episode The One with the Memorial Service? Bet you didn't remember that Ross died on that show. Uh, at 8.30, Scrubs. No. <laughs> that was worth it just for Lauren's spit take. Uh, at 8.30, Scrubs with my own private practice guy. Uh, at 9, Will and Grace is mercifully concluding the four-part episode that shall not be named. Uh, this one uh, subtitled The Guy Who Loved Me. Uh, and at 9.30, Good Morning Miami with Fear and Loathing in Miami. This week's episode had 20.9 million viewers tuning in, directed by Julie Hebert, doing her third out of four as a director. Previous ones of hers from this season include A Hopeless Wound and A Little Help from My Friends, and written by Joe Sachs, doing his 17th out of 35 as a writer, and uh, his one entry this season was also A Hopeless Wound. Uh, We got an alternate title for this one. Uh, It's okay. It's fine. Like, I can't remember if they repurposed this title like they did the one of the alternate titles we had earlier in the so. season. I'm kind of surprised that we never got around to using this one as a title, but the alternate title for this one was apparently Side Effects. Uh, and no Pratt this week. With gotta that make, being... Gotta make room for Schmosby. Oh, I'm so happy he dies. <laughs> anyway, uh, with that being said, the previously on is brought to us by Abby, and we go into... Carrie at city council um, arguing about keep about primary care access to keep the Erie Street Clinic open. And after a successful vote, yay, Carrie's great. Um, the alderman asks Carrie to chat for a second. And he mentions as they shut the door to his office that his partner needs treatment for syphilis as well. Off the books, of course, like his was because it can't be traced back to him. Hmm. Okay. And Carrie's like, I, I can't do that. Like, we have charts and everything for a reason. Like, I I can't treat someone on your behalf kind of thing. And he's like, but you've done it before. What an excellent fucking manipulator. This guy is so good. He's such a perfect dickwad. He's a politician. He's, he's a, a politician through and through. A Chicago politician at that. It's such and a... And he goes like... Go ahead. No, it's just, it's such a masterful job that, like, I, I'm a little annoyed that his episodes, like, you kind of have to cherry pick out his episodes and watch them all in a row rather than letting the, the space go by between. Cause, like, this, this, I forget the exact episode numbers, but, like, this, this storyline has only been, like, three episodes long, but it's been kind of pieced out. Um, mm-hmm. but it is this really sinister kind of, like, heel turn that this, this character, goes through where like he's this smiley you know like happy go luck you know like he's a politician like lizzie said but like he he's he he's when he's getting what he wants and when things are going well in the first uh, appearance like 
you see him one way and then it, in this episode like it's not like there's ever this like you know batman villain moment where he like pulls the mask off and is like ha i was evil all along there's just these really like sinister moments where it's like this dude doesn't give a shit about you see anyone. him you see him turn it on so like it's so clear when he's got the persona on versus when he's just like being a dick and it's so clear when he makes the switch but speaking of batman villain as carrie's walking out he goes you know i understand but uh there's a vote for budget that could really affect the er uh it's this afternoon so he's essentially threatening to severely cut the er budget if she doesn't treat his partner for syphilis chicago politics at its finest people also uh lizzie and i both thought that this actor sounds exceptionally like leo mcgarry from the west wing not quite that, as gravelly. Not but. quite, but he still has that same cadence of voice. Yes, yes he do. Yes, he do. I'm yes, he do. Sure. Uh, we're in with bangs, and then we have a just, just a, just like a assault throw of gamma in this in this episode. Get it, get it in now uh, before she's dead. Yeah, Carter and Gamma in the car. Uh, she's suspicious. Why he asked her to breakfast? Now he's like, oh, I want to check up on you. And he gives her back the ring and tells her he, that he did not propose. And still, like, I believe Carter's trying to give advice when Gamma... Is this a Gamma quote here, Lauren? Yeah, he, cause so get, Carter's like, you know, you know, I know you didn't really like her, so you're probably happy that I, I'm giving this back, whatever. Like, I know you don't approve of my choices or whatever, and... This is what Gamma says in response. Gotcha. She says, uh, you're past having me badger about you. Your past... I can't talk tonight. Your past having me badger you about your choices. This is yours. Give it or don't to whomever you choose. You go, Gamma. Uh, And then we go to the ER. Gallant is discussing his potential specialty with Abby, and Frank gives him shit for about not going to Iraq and uh, pushing back. So, like, he'll do his residency and then he'll do his four years in the military. Um, then, oh, look, Ted Mosby shows up looking for Carrie. Oh, yes. Who we will find out his character's name is Keith, and he is, of course, played by Ted Mosby himself, uh, Josh Radner, uh, who is best known for stuff like liberal arts, not another teen movie, and the uh, lead role of Ted Tiberius Mosby in uh, How I Met Your Mother, a show that, like, define my personality in my early 20s i would say mm-hmm. like Me i too. was i was incredibly hooked on that show um i jake and i actually went to the bar in new york city that the uh mclaren's the was based on like the the hangout oh, cool. bar um it looks really nothing like the bar on the show but like it was it was the bar that the creators hung out at when they were inspired to write the show gotcha. um and that was a show that like were I equipped to do the podcasting thing a decade ago, I absolutely would have done this, but for that show, like when it was still happening, because I was that you invested. Would do this for that show, but mm. just exclude the, se- the season, the last season. Y'all, you can't pay me enough to be on it or listen to it. <laughs> I want no part of it. No, it was classic. I, yeah. Be. And it would be a Ooh. it would be a much different show now because I would be much more uh, critical of it, and I would be much more, I would be much more oh, critical yeah. I would be much more critical of my own sort of enjoyment of it. Like, what was wrong with me that that, that led me? Like, it, it's it's like looking back at stuff. You it's like looking back at poetry you wrote as a high school student or something. Mm. Like, it's no. just it's no, it's no, no. that kind of like just 
you idiot. Like this, this so the, the, it's it's an it's it's an American sitcom, so it's filled with unlikable people, and it, it, it the thing I liked about it, and the thing I still like about it is that for the first like eighty percent to ninety percent of it, it really respected its continuity, which was something that you didn't expect from an American sitcom. American sitcoms are usually very fast and loose with their continuity and they do not care and they, they know the audience is just there to laugh and they don't really give a shit about the overarching story. Um, but this show was different and like it it made a, a concerted effort to like really uh, value its listeners' attention. Or, or, you knew or at all times attention. how many slaps were left on the slap bet. Yeah, like they were very good about that. And I still, there are still certain episodes that I can go cherry pick out and go like, this is still an unquestioned kind of like masterpiece of an episode in its genre. Like the episode where spoilers for you know a show that's been off the air for more than a decade. Uh, yeah, it's not quite a full decade, but it's you know, you get it. Um, uh, the episode where Marshall's dad dies, like, is yeah. for my money, yes. for my money, a complete 10 out of 10 masterpiece um and i remember watching that episode for the first time and just being like a blubbering mess by the end of it and it's uh it was also one of the first times i can remember feeling uh the real weight of betrayal by of a show where they just took all of that goodwill that they had spent all those years building up and over the course of the final season season and a half they just completely pissed all of that away and have left that show for me in a state where I don't find myself revisiting it. Like a show that I watched probably three or four times throughout college and, and in the years after college, like as it was wrapping up, I was obsessed with that show. I had all this stuff on DVD. I watched it on streaming. It was, it was a good background show. Now I can't tell you the last time I watched a how I met your mother episode. Like it's so far in my rearview mirror. I'm doing a very slow rewatch of it. I feel like I'd get way too annoyed with Ted if I just tried to binge it. Right. And so bringing it back to the original point uh, is, you know, that that Ted is one of he's probably like he's probably in the top five for most unlikable protagonists of a show. Maybe Mm -hmm. ever like Ted is a really shitty protagonist um, and everything that I have been exposed to him. This is purely a personal opinion uh, that I hold. Um I think Josh Ratner's kind of a dick. Like every every interview I've ever heard from him, every podcast he's ever been on, every like anything I've ever seen of him when he's out of character as Ted and he's just the guy. Um, I find him incredibly pretentious and like like arrogant and like just Is he like really... an auteur. Yes, he of himself. He is like Mr. Fucking Auteur. He talks in like hushed, like embarrassed tones about that silly sitcom that he was on, and like he thinks it's so stupid that people watch TV. Like he's just so up his own fucking ass. Like I just everything I've ever heard from Josh Radner, I have not been impressed as a person. So there's a reason why he hasn't really been seen in much since How I Met Your Mother, right? Yeah, like when you're when your second biggest credit on IMDb is that you were the tour guide in not another teen movie, like it hasn't worked out that great for you. I'm sure he's you know got more money than he'll ever need for being on How I Met Your Mother for that long, but you know I just I have such a complicated relationship with both this actor and this character and that show. Good thing everyone else on that show was fantastic. Anyway, moving on, Lauren. 
Uh, so randomly, Chen and Susan are apparently going to Vegas. Cool. That'll be a fun girls trip, I guess. Well, neat. Fine. Um, Where's Susan that episode? Tri- give me that episode. Right? Give me, give me Sherry Stringfield doing CPR on Wayne Newton. Like, give, give <laughs> me that field trip episode. The ER does Vegas. Yes. Also, we see Susan trying to pry Abby to be like, how are things? How are things with Carter? How are you doing? Like, just really trying to get Abby to say that he proposed. And she keeps trying to, like, check her hands and everything to see if the ring is on it. And Abby's just kind of like, the fuck, lady? Just, (laughs) Susan's not subtle, and I love her. And then we, of course, get pulled away because a random patient is seizing, which we do not actually see. Neat. Cool. Uh, let's go to our first audio clip here. Uh, so Luca has like these weird voiceover moments, and I wanted to capture at least one of them. So I got something where Luca's also in the scene talking, and kind of sets and it kind of sets up what he starts saying. It they're really weirdly like au- like the audio. I mean, you'll hear. So let's. Uh, Luca has missed three therapy appointments, and his therapist is chasing him down. So let's listen. Abby, clear CT on this one. Lone pupil. Subconscious hemorrhage. No ID. Too young for a driver's license, no purse. Is the assault? Hello, seeing Union Station. Probably a street kid. Not those boots. Expensive jacket, too. Maybe she shoplifts. She come in with that girl? No, different run. Just as clear, belly is soft. Dr. Kovac? Looks like isolated hand and facial What trauma. happened? It's got a C-spine, chest, and pelvis. Dr. Kovac, you got this? Yep. Trauma panel, urine icon, dip UA. Sorry, I forgot. Three times. That's three missed appointments. <sighs> Yeah, I, I have a bad memory. Look, your department required psychotherapy, but I have to report to mine. I don't want to be a heavy. In fact, I want to help you. Prepare for this appointment. I have extended office hours tonight. I'm free from 7 to 8. Can you make that? I really don't see the point. You don't have to see the point. Just show up. Just show up. That's all I've been doing. Showing up. Time goes by faster at work. Shift work. Treat and street a few lost souls. You're with them when they're most vulnerable. Is that bile? 17 jello shots. When they're naked, weak, hurt, you touch them. Look at their bodies. See them more closely than their families, their lovers. But it's mechanical, no temporary. You fix them up or you watch them die. Either way, it ends and you move on. No next time, no strings, no real connection. Maybe that's why I stay. Luca, my boy, my sweet, sweet boy. This reminds me a lot of the um, the episode back in the early season where Susan was going to therapy. Yep. Or or was in therapy in her head. Remember? Therapy, remember, remember yes. That, remember that head cannon? Uh, yeah. No. Uh, I kind of uh, somebody in the listener responses. Uh, uh, which I think I grabbed that listener response, but maybe I didn't. But um, uh, somebody said that they think of this episode as a spiritual cousin to Love's Labor Lost um, mm. because it's kind of the episode. It's another episode where like things are going fine until they're not. Um, yes. And I think I would I would counter that with I think it's a combination spiritual cousin of that episode that you mentioned where Susan's in therapy and loves labor lost kind of mix mix smash together and mm-hmm. giving you this uh this episode and i think you know the 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 luca 
so they they go to these you know little clips or these little voiceovers several times throughout the episode um and they do have kind of an odd sound to them and what i think is happening with that is that you know spoilers for the end of the episode like we will eventually come around to actually seeing luca talking and and thinking out loud in person and i think that's one scene i suspect that these one these voiceovers were probably all adr overdubs like they didn't it so that like there's something with the flow and there's something with the sound that is just ever so slightly off it's it's close but like it's not a one-to-one continuous stream of thought like it would be if we were watching him on camera and his lips were moving um that's at least what i think i don't know but maybe it's it's, meant to sound like that because it's clearly him doing a voiceover yeah they have voiceovers on the show so they wanted to make it differentiate a little bit yeah there's definitely a little something different with the sound i'm not sure exactly what it is but um you know i don't it's uh you know and i think i remember saying this at the time with the susan episode like when susan's in therapy like i don't think that it completely detracts from the episode i don't think they overdo it no i i love this i love this performance yeah this is like this definitely elevated the episode for me and i really i really enjoy it yeah personally the season of sadness for luca aka season nine yeah. yeah, and I thought I really thought he was like starting to like work his way out of it, Same. you know. But I guess it's because you know thing, these things are not linear, you know. Like there's it's, well, it's Daniel. It's because he doesn't have a a short, uh, short person, short uh, blonde nurse to you know talk to and have all of his feelings out in the ER. So he has to like, so he clearly has to self medicate with sex workers yeah. and alcohol and fast cars and. I, I just, know. you know, he, it seemed to me, it seemed like in the last few episodes, he was starting to like work his way out of it. But I guess there is yes. some, some level of authenticity in that depiction that like, just because it's going well today, doesn't necessarily mean that it'll still be going well or, you know, to like that, that it's not a linear experience. There will be those drawbacks and there will be those setbacks and, you know, we'll, we know where he ends up by the end of the season, but it'll be better when Sam shows up. Well, uh, <laughs> for him, I'm not for saying him. for us as yeah. viewers. I'm saying for him. I suppose so. Uh, but as we heard in that clip, uh, there's a patient, a young girl who was found passed out at Union Station. Uh, Lizzie's talking. Hey, Lizzie actually gets to do something this episode. Hey. Look at that. Mark it down on your calendars. Uh, this girl's name is Molly. Uh, she is played by actress Marina Marota Darling, who appeared in stuff like Donnie Darko, The Thin Red Line. Uh, and playing Bette Midler's daughter in an apparently short-lived sitcom starring Bette Midler uh, titled mm. Bette. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, I, I have like a va- the vaguest memory that that was a thing. I don't. I couldn't tell you anything about it or like whether or not it was good, but I have just like this very vague memory of it existing. Um, but uh, we find out that she's attending a boot camp for kids who can't get along with their parents. Oh, boy. Because those places aren't problematic at all. No, no, not one bit. Uh, didn't the- they do? Didn't they do like a reality TV show about something like similar to those, where they like brat boot camp or something in like the early scared stupid, like scared, scared stupid straight. or something like that. Scared something straight. Like that. Thank you. Yeah, they would do a lot. Somebody- of the, the daytime TV show circuits would do a, a a pretty regular episode 
on scared straight stuff like maury yeah. and jerry springer and all those they yeah would... i'm bringing I'm kids thinking... to prison and getting no i'm that thinking... by inmates or something i'm i'm thinking of an actual like it was like a reality tv show oh, not, okay. a, not a docudrama so i i don't know if i had my phone with me i'd check well you don't so <laughs> sucks to be you i guess um also sucks to be uh keith in this episode who and he finally catches up with Carrie, and she's a little stunned that oh, the alderman's partner's a man, mm. and the alderman didn't tell Keith that he had syphilis. Um, pointed out the sore, pointed the sore out as if it was actually Keith's fault that he had the outbreak, and but they're and they're theoretically monogamous. Who knows? Yeah, like he's like, oh, you know. I had a pretty wild past before before I think John and I got together mm. and I'm so embarrassed that I gave that I probably gave it to him and I was so just horrified when he pointed out the sore like didn't even tell him that he had it. Right. I love the subtlety of the dialogue of, of that like the alderman pulls shit like this even on, you know, his, his partner, partner. Yeah. like he this gaslighting nonsense. And I also want to point out how fucked up this is. Uh, he started working in the office when he was a junior in college, and he, now he's getting grad school credit for it. So, like, this kid's 24, maybe 26 tops. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. It's obvious. There's an obvious power dynamic imbalance mm-hmm. there for sure. Um, but I also, and it, this, this is coming from a, a, you know, straight white dude here, but, like, anecdotally it does seem like larger age gaps are more common in gay relationships uh at least in some of the things that i've observed like that there it's a more common you it's yeah. more common for you to see larger age gaps in gay relationships than straight relations not to say they don't happen yeah. in straight I, relationships i think for me yeah it was more the power dynamic thing that he that he started working for this man when he was in college oh yeah and like then it's that power dynamic of a buddy mm-hmm. not great bob uh nope. but we then uh see abby and carter working with a uh, a african-american woman mrs sandberry who is brought in she has uh mees lines on her fingers mm-hmm. uh potentially uh arsenic poisoning she also mentions that she worked in a wood treatment plant mm-hmm. uh this is this is kind of a, i this storyline is I felt- dumb <laughs> I felt so bad. I missed what her chief complaint was because we were too busy being horrified about this other stuff. And then, like, she's just kind of sprinkled through the episode, and I feel so bad. Like, yeah. I'm sure she deserved a little more attention than I gave her, but I was just trying to keep oh, up. Oh, no. She uh, she deserves more attention than the writers gave her because Fair. she is, a, uh, th- like, the implication by the end of this episode is that her husband is poisoning her. <laughs> and yep. it's given no screen time whatsoever like this is the most salacious story i think maybe in the history of the show that just gets brushed under the rug where it's yeah, like, like at first they at first they speculate maybe she's poisoning herself just because she's so miserable with her husband and like just... yeah like they they in they think oh well maybe you know because of her work in this wood treatment plant she was exposed at work or maybe it could be perhaps be a suicide attempt like there's all these different uh possibilities that get trotted out but like it's just, it's really interesting to me that you have this storyline here that has uh, some some spice to it, some some intrigue to it, and it gets relegated to, like, C or D plot in the episode. Um, 
But uh, Mrs. Sanberry here is played by actress Esther Scott, who appeared in stuff like Transformers, Austin Powers, Goldmember, uh, and Dreamgirls. And uh, unfortunately, she did pass away in uh, 2020. So. Mm. Uh, and uh, somehow Molly's mom is uh, already here. Uh, like she just uh, apparates into the ER, just kind of shows up. Um, Lizzie says, "Like, oh, what makes you certain that it's not the camp abusing her or whatever?" Yeah. So there's and there's, then mom. There's some question about uh, the the source of her her injuries here. You know, like they're clearly a troubled relationship between mom and daughter here, which we will sort of explore to some degree throughout the rest of the episode. Um, but uh, for now, we see Antspot congratulating Carrie on her great work down at City Hall. Uh, no budget cuts at all on the vote. So, you know, again, these kind of, un, you know, background lines giving us, you know, filling in the gaps here that, uh, that you know, the alderman's always in the background kind of fixing things when Carrie does uh, what he wants her to do. Uh, and he mentions that he wants to see her and Romano upstairs at five, that they have some uh, administrative housekeeping to do, and it shouldn't take long. And, of course, Carrie's all nervous because she thinks this has something to do with the alderman situation. Uh, but we will find out later that that's maybe not the case. And we neglected to mention the last time we checked in with Keith that he was given a shot of penicillin. Yes, in, yes. The in, most important thing. In his ass. Jesus, I'm with, sorry. Without a chart, no... She didn't history. ask any questions, no history taken, none of that stuff. Uh, so, but, so guess what? He's back! But this time, he passed out across the street with hives. He's having a severe allergic reaction to something. It's the penicillin. <laughs> uh, Abby notices the City Hall ID, and Susan side-eyes in the background, putting the pieces together. Side-eyes carry in yeah. the background, putting all the pieces together. Susan's judgmental looks this episode just give me life. Yeah, they're, they're justified. Pretty great. Uh, but then we see Carrie on the phone to the alderman's office about uh, Keith trying to leave messages to be like, dude, you need to call me. You need to call me. Shit's going south real fast. You need to call me, Carrie. Don't leave a paper trail. Um, but then Susan tells Carrie that Keith has a sore on his penis, too. Why was she checking? Like, why? Why were they disrobing him? I don't know. Anyway, um, calls her out on the mess. Just like, hey, didn't just looks looks just like the aldermans. Hmm. Mm. Also, terrible time to note it, but whose films are those? And Carrie tells Abby to get something just to get her out of the room so Carrie can talk to Keith alone as he starts to wake up. And she essentially tells him he has to lie. She's like, we have to protect him, the alderman. We can't give him anyone reason to speculate. Like, essentially, tell them that someone told you it was syphilis and you stole pills from your friend. Like... Be, the, not that a doctor prescribed these. Be cool. Be and cool, like, <laughs> my dude. It is and a. It you is might a... also say that Susan went to take a look at Keith and went, "Whose penis sores are those?" It is a. a I had to do it. It, it is an excellent um, back and forth uh, between Carrie and Keith here. Like the yes. the the sort of like frantic, desperate panic, but trying to keep it together from Carrie. Um, and then just, I, ha- I do have to give Josh Radner credit here, like the, the eyeball acting here, because he's, mm-hmm. he's intubated at the time that she's having this conversation with him. So he's got a tube down his throat. He can't, can't verbally acknowledge what she's saying, but everything has to be communicated through the eyes. 
and he does a really good job of getting that across. Just Laura in as this whole episode, even if Carrie's super problematic, she is perfect. Yeah. Um, but (laughs) complete tonal 180. Frank asks Carter if you can get rabies from fish. And shows him a wound on his arm. I don't remember what happened exactly. Fishing he was accident. out fishing and fishing accident, and it looks really gross. And Carter goes, "It's probably just infected." Frank's like, "That's it." Carter goes, "Call me if you start growing gills." Just nice little. I love Frank. We need more Frank. Um, but then Miss Sanbury's arsenic levels had been fine historically when she had been getting them tested per OSHA requirements for her job. And they had spiked to over 200 mics per liter as of today's test, which is high. And as this is going on, uh, Carter sees Abby's nicotine patch and at first asks if it's a birth control patch. She's like, no, it's nicotine. I'm trying to quit smoking. And he is shocked. He's like, what? Why? Like, why all of a sudden? What's going on? Weird. This, this fucking dude, this episode, like... This might be the most self-involved I think he's ever been. Like, this episode. Like, he just gets on my fucking nerves. Like, he's so, like, ugh. Ugh. Uh, And then another shift. uh, Molly's screaming for them to get her mom out of the room. Lizzie starts shaking Molly and screams in her face to get her to calm down, which leads Molly to flip a tray over towards her mom's face. And mom gets a cut on her face from presumably a scalpel that that was on the tray. Fun times, right. everyone. Why is there not a scene in this episode where Lizzie talks to the mother and like commiserates with her and is sort of like, like, lady, I right, I get it. Like, I get what right? it, what it's like to have an emotional teenage daughter. Like, I just went through this last year with my <laughs> with my late husband's daughter. Like, it's. Like, and I'm not saying that she has to like condone, but like maybe she could be like, you know, you know, learn from my mistakes. Like, here's what I did. But there, like, there were about four different gaps in this episode where I where it's convinced they were gonna do it, and then they didn't, and I was sad. Yeah, and I, I, it's weird. Like, I I feel like we're we're far enough. Uh, maybe not. Like, it feels like for us we're far enough uh, away removed from the end of season eight to like safely invoke mark green's name without it being weird but like maybe they weren't like they it's always such a fine line with these characters like they they don't want to remind you of the character that's no longer around that you really loved that you know you could be watching uh but like there are these narrative opportunities where you could interject just a little bit right here like just a little like a little something a little bit of character history just to to if nothing else just flesh out this storyline a little bit more and give elizabeth more of a you know something to sink her teeth into i don't know uh but we see luca working on a patient shot through the head because he wouldn't get off of a bus uh after a guy yelled at him that it was only for americans for context the uh patient uh the one one who was shot uh is uh wears a turban uh so uh it's 2003 kids uh yep hmm. and he he is deceased here like yeah this gray matter he's dead dead yeah gray matter and brainstem i think is what carrie says he is not he is not okay. yeah there's a there's a shot uh, uh later on i don't think it's here but like there's a, a cutaway shot where you see him through the window um mm. just laying on a gurney like they yeah. just it's not great not great no but very like uh 
of of the, of the time. time. Yeah, like this is kind of peak peak time for when that was happening. Uh, wish I could say that uh, we didn't repeat those mistakes, you know, when it came to COVID and such. But here we are. Uh, we suck. Yeah. Uh, we see Susan and Abby giving Keith uh, a nebulizer, so apparently he's triggering the vent now, so he's able to breathe on his own. Uh, and uh, Carrie kind of watching him very closely from across the room as he answers Susan's questions, and he does exactly what Carrie told him to do. Uh, says that uh, his girlfriend had uh, some... I think his ex-girlfriend had a sore and called him. Yeah, and so he took some of her penicillin, and that's how we got here. So he did his part. Uh, and then we see Luca walking Gallant through an exam of a little baby with a potential infection. And in the process, you know, while they're evaluating the patient, Gallant asks uh, Luca for a letter of recommendation, and Luca says no. And, and there's a really, very, very cute part here that comes into play in a little bit. Uh, Gallant makes a little, like, balloon out of one of his rubber gloves yeah. just to try and, like, amuse the baby. Comes into play in a little bit. Um and then uh, we also see Carrie coming in, scolding Luca for blowing off the therapy. And, oh, no, Keith is crashing. Uh, his belly's rigid. He has free air, under his, free air under his diaphragm, which means he has a small perforation in his diaphragm or his intestine or something like that. Uh, they're not 100% sure, but it seems Abby might have been bagging him uh, too hard through the swollen cords, just trying to help. Just something that Got happens. Air air in the belly yeah that's uh, bad so they go ask corday for help but she's a little busy oh my god it gets worse I love uh, it. molly molly has blood pooling behind her eye so they need to slice it just a little to ensure she doesn't go blind by pressure on the optic nerve uh, um while this is going on luca continues his monologue um voiceover about how disgusted he is with the whole system and his job and his colleagues and like the little white lies they tell everybody just to get by and just it's not great bob is it lucas haven't lucas having a moment is this one of the more gross disgusting yes um, but like not in a but without being gory like without being grotesque it's not gory but it it's is just anything involves the eye. It is it's well, and eye. they also show the like edge of the thing Cut. like in her eye socket. Like it's yeah. like going amazing prop work. It is great prop yeah, work. Yeah, they show the, they show them doing the actual. Yeah, slice. they're kind of showing off a little bit. Um, but it's just so like I guess it is just because it's eyeballs. But like it is so viscerally kind of like <laughs> like it just makes your stomach yeah. turn. Yep. Uh, so they get that done, and. While this is going on, um, Molly is screaming for her mom the whole time. Like, then mom holds her hand and everything. Uh, but Lizzie then runs over to help Keith and wheels him up to the OR. Afterwards, Luca is comforting Molly as he cleans up the cut that they made. And Molly asks him if he can ask if... If he can ask her mom if she can come home. Because, like, they're both too proud to ask each other. So she's like, hey, can you be the middleman on this? Can I come home? Um, and then Lizzie is working on Keith up in surgery. And this whole scene, oh my god. Um, 
just she is freaking out in the observation room. So at first we see it from Lizzie working on the on Keith and then we slowly just zoom up into Carrie's face with the reflection mm-hmm. of Keith and Lizzie in the window and uh, he crashes and flatlines. And Laura Inez's look of sheer panic here. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. She she really just goes for it. And like I would argue that like this and this is what a masterful actor she is is that like she knows exactly where the line is where if you go over this line you're now being hammy and it's stupid and it's like detracting from the moment but she goes right up to that line and with this like kind of like escalating you can almost like see her breathing increase and like you can just feel like her going through all of the mental kind of calculations she's just like like, she's vibrating yeah (laughs) like and it's like she's ever so slightly out of focus because the the reflection is there and it's like slightly obscuring her face and it's just really, I loved it. I, I pulled it as the clip for this episode for the social media because it's it, it's just, I love watching it. It's just such a masterfully done scene. All right. Um, uh, Luca's working on a man who, who's talking about, oh, yeah, how the Sikh man was going to blow up the bus. And we love that Luca clarifies that, oh, yeah, the, the turban meant he was Sikh and was nonviolent. Those are some of the like, chillest people you'll ever meet in your like entire life. The whole the whole thing about Sikhism is it's it's an act of nonviolence. Yeah. yeah. Like it's an act of community service and helping your fellow man. Yeah. Uh Romano's gonna take the guy to the up to the OR and he gets his hand stuck in the gurney and doesn't even notice and it comes out bloody. Oof. Mm. Ow. Well, not out of Romano, obviously, but just ow and the in general. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's a lot going on in this episode. Like when you think about I know, it, I was like, like I was like, how is this only three and a half pages of it's notes? It's very like dense in terms of like things that are actually kind of important. Um, what's not given any sort of importance is Mrs. Sanbury, who uh, we find out uh, is getting detox treatment. And uh, Carter kind of offhandedly mentions that uh, he'll check on her later. Uh, and then that leads us directly into like a little walk and talk with Carter and Abby, where he, asks her out on a date uh, so that I guess they can clear the air about things. Uh, But she's like, oh, I can't uh, because I have a date with my AA sponsor. Uh, So she's quitting smoking. She's trying to get back on the AA thing. Like she's clearly trying to to make some positive changes. Um, That's all great. Uh, What is far more important, though, is that during this little walk and talk here, there is a little exchange between Abby and our favorite frequent flyer homeless patient, Pablo, uh, and that Abby will be with him uh, to, tr- you know, treat whatever he's in for uh, in just a moment. Uh, and unfortunately, this does mark the very last appearance of Pablo. Uh, we have seen the last of our favorite homeless patient. Does Pablo get Pablo? Oh, you should have saved that one for the wrap up. That one, be- that one belonged behind the paywall. Like they, sh- nope, they should I, have had I to pay, give- that one, pay for that one. And you, you just I, gave it I away for give- free. Gotta give a little bit to the listeners. Gotta give the people what they want. Gave it away for free, but it's okay. No, we have we have all of the of the raging lunatic rants of Jake behind the paywall. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I choose to believe that uh, Pablo like got the help he needed and got himself together and found a job and found happiness. Uh, and we we never had to hear from him again. Like he's 
he's happy wherever he is not in the er that's the important thing um we then see Gallant telling Luca he's thinking about applying uh, for the match uh, at County in emergency medicine. And Luca tells him it's a bad idea. <laughs> so <laughs> great mentorship there, Luca. Really? This feels this feels like uh, if they had inter like if they had residents in law, this feels like Jake being like, Don't be a lawyer <laughs> to to his med <laughs> his his law school resident. <laughs> like, don't do it. Uh we then go. Uh, there's a. The, they get uh, interrupted here by a little. The the little baby from earlier has inhaled a balloon or something, so he's choking. Uh, Gallant and Luca are working to clear the airway, and we get another Luca voiceover here talking about what he wanted from the job, what he liked about medicine. He said that it was exciting, uh, power made him feel powerful, made him feel alive, uh, and saving lives that day. He didn't feel that same magic, so. The light has gone out of his life, basically. <sighs> so this next audio clip here, it's like four and a half minutes long, and I'm sorry for that, but top five se- top five sequences for Carrie in the entire show, IMO. I fucking love everything about Carrie in this scene, and it one, one little thing bleeds into another, so it's a little longer than it should have been, but... So let's listen in to Carrie waiting for the alderman to give him the bad news. Didn't feel anything. Was he stopping at the ER? They said he was coming straight up. Sorry, Carrie. I hope I didn't keep you waiting. For what? I got tied up with a parathyroidectomy. Is Robert here? Our five o'clock. Right. Just uh, give me a minute. Carrie, what happened? I was stuck at an EPA site with the med. Taking. Calm down. We have medical records, nurses' notes. Is there a place with? This is why we take it before we administer. Privately, please. He died. He's died. He went into anaphylactic shock and his airway closed. Alderman, what brings you here? Ah, I'm checking on a staff member. Uh Well, congratulations on the budget. First year they haven't tried to close us down. Well, Dr. Weaver did an excellent job of articulating your needs. Yeah, she's our own little articulator. Where are you going, Carrie? Don't we have this meeting? Give me a second. You okay? More trouble with the arm? Uh, not worse than getting it severed in the first place. I'm glad to hear it. Stay well. Yeah, you too. He's here way close, but they had to pack him anyways. Which caused his stomach to overinflate and tear. In here. But they had to bag him anyway. But that, that overinflated his stomach. Slow down. Slow down. I thought he was getting a shot of penicillin. He had get a shot of penicillin. That's what caused the anaphylaxis. Okay, okay. Oh Unexpected God, things like this happen in medicine I do? Unexpected sometimes. things. I didn't ask him if he was allergic. We always ask. But we always have a chart. And the chart reminds us that we're treating the patient correctly. Yes, you could have asked. It wouldn't have prevented it. I could have given him something else, or better yet, nothing. Nothing at all. I told him it would be a shot of penicillin even before I approached you. He didn't tell me he was allergic. Mm-hmm. He didn't know. This would have happened anyway, however he got treated. They're waiting for you in the conference. Antoine needs to scrub in. Have them start without me. All right. Um, there's already no record of the shot. It's too late for that. Uh, you could tell the truth. No one else knows. 
Not yet. Keith didn't say anything no. about me. For God's sake. Oh, my God. He's dead. I know, I Jonathan, know. It hurts dead. me more than Hurt you know. you. That's crap. You let that poor kid believe he gave you the syphilis. Don't tell me I don't care. I care. I care. But I do need to know what people know. Self-servingly, yes, I have to protect myself. But I also have to protect you. And I have to protect this hospital and a dozen other What about protecting programs. your staff? What about protecting your lover? Carrie, this is not your fault. You understand? It's not your fault. But if you confess to something like it was, people will treat you like it was. And then everybody loses. Did he say anything about me? Don't worry. He lied for you. He loved you. And I killed him, trying to hide that for you. Yes, you won't want to be late for that meeting. But I will need you later for a press conference. He was one of my staff. Goodbye, Jonathan. Congratulations, Carrie. Hold on, I never let rehab compromise my work schedule. We both know administration is not your strong suit. Can I come back later? No, Carrie, this involves you. How long have you been planning this? I've asked Robert to consider sharing the chief of staff position with you. I'd rather cut off my good arm. I'm sorry you feel that way, Robert. I thought this was a solution that served everyone. Well, you were wrong. It's a gift, Robert. I suggest you take it. Take it right up the ass. Fine. Congratulations, Carrie. You've just become chief of staff. I love Carrie. I was, she's like, what? Like, she looks just, like she's been hit by a truck. Yeah, she's like, wait, I'm getting something I wanted. But right. probably the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life no. just happened. Right. Not, not just getting something she's wanted. Getting the maybe only thing she's wanted more than anything in her entire career. And... This moment is forever tainted by Soiled it. the events the of period the victory. If you ever, I've ever seen one, Soiled and it. Phew, just there's so much to unpack here. Like that the that line about halfway through where the alderman is like, "I care, I care." Like he repeats it like once or twice, and just like it's like, "Are you trying to convince her or yourself?" Like <laughs> who and the. The way the minute he opens the door, he's switched over to, oh, and we'll have that press conference later. And, right. you know, great job with the hustle. And he, just like and he pivots, right. you know, as immediately he pivots to, like, uh, did he say anything about me? Like, as soon as, as, soon yep. as he has this moment of, like, no, I care, I do. But also, did he cover for me? Like, he just, again, that, like, going back to what I was saying earlier, like, it's this really, like, sinister coolness to him. Um and then that, yeah, that, that last little bit, like right as he's like dismissing her, where the last thing he says to her as she walks out the door is congratulations, which makes me wonder, is that supposed to mean that he somehow has foreknowledge of what Anspaugh is about to tell her? Like it was, or is that just maybe we're just supposed to think that, I, that he, you know, might've had something to do with 
Maybe congratulating her on the budget. Maybe. Yeah, maybe I that's read into it as him congratulating her on the budget because she did this as a way to save the budget. Yeah. But it's just, it's interesting timing, you know, that like that he says that word to her, congratulations, and then she goes into this meeting and is basically told that she's getting, you know, the promotion of a lifetime that she's been waiting her whole career for. Um, and uh, But can we talk about the line delivery of take it up the, uh, take it up my ass? <laughs> Romana, once again, man, Paul McCrane, like he, <laughs> I love, I love to uh, early on in the clip too, where he's like, He's like, oh, you having more trouble with the arm? No, nothing worse than losing it, getting it sliced off in the first place. <laughs> like, just so cool and like matter of fact about it. Ugh. Hi. Uh, fantastic, fantastic yeah. scene. Yeah, hell, hell of a four and, and a half minutes. Yeah. Uh, we'll go to another audio clip here. Uh, Lizzie is examining Romano's hand. Good cap refill. No disruption of the vasculature. No, there wouldn't be with a mechanism of injury. What's next? Let's see, I could cut it while slicing a bagel and not realize it until I pass out from blood loss. Robert. Or maybe I could set the damn thing on fire. You need to be patient. Yes. So everyone keeps telling me. Although none of us actually believe I'm even going to partially recover, do we? Believe in the laws of karma, Elizabeth? Eastern philosophy, the influence of past actions on your future life. I know what it is. So I can be a jerk, so what? I've always been honest. Brutally honest. Bruised some egos, hurt some feelings, maybe uh, provoked a few tears, but honesty is a hell of a lot more than most people can claim. I don't deserve this. God damn, Paul McCrane. Uh, Stop making me fall in love with you. Where and where have these Let two him do more? Right, where have these two been all season? Like, why have we not had just the two of them in a room together? You know, hashing it out, being miserable, right? Hashing it out. I mean, Lizzie has done precisely fuck all all season. Um, and Romano, you know, he's had his moments for sure. But they're few and far between. Like there's a, a there is an alternate there is a multiverse where these two are off having a much better season than season nine in its totality has been. Like there's a much more interesting story to be told with her dealing with all her grief and trying to overcome it and trying to f- you know find her place in this world without her husband and him trying to come to terms with the fact that he's never gonna be what he was before the accident. Like, there's a much more interesting story to be told there and how they can finally find some, like, emotional common ground between the two of them that isn't rooted in him being a creepy weirdo that has a crush on her. Like, there's there's so much to be, to be mined here. And, like, they have relegated these two to, like, not even third place. They're, like, fifth or sixth place on their own show. Like, they are completely afterthought forgotten about. And it's such a shame because they're some of the most interesting threads in this entire season. Lizzie and the ball boy. Hey, oh, ball it's boy. only one. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, always give me more. Give yes. me more of them. Well, give me less of our next audio clip. Uh, Carter <laughs> is going to catch it up with Abby outside. Hey, what time do you think? Uh, she's probably waiting for me right now. Did you get your car fixed? 
Yeah, one of these days I'm gonna get one that works. <laughs> so, you know, right? Know what? That night at the restaurant. I had a ring. You knew that, right? I figured if you, if you wanted to talk about it, you would have. I didn't go through with it because in that moment it just felt. It didn't feel right. And I don't know why. And I wish I did know why. But I think the fact that I didn't do it means that maybe there's something that isn't working. I get it. It's okay. You get it? Well, that's good. Maybe you can explain it to me, because I don't get it. I know that I show up for work, and you act like a completely changed person. And I think that's great, if that's real. The patch, the sponsor. Real. For real, for you. Or is this something that's going to get thrown out the window the next time something bad happens? Because if you're trying to prove something to me, what? like some kind of quick fix. I didn't do it for you. Myself, okay, and if you're sick of me and and just all of it, I don't blame. I'm not sick of you. How do you hear that? Because all I ever do is disappoint you. I feel like all I'm ever going to do is disappoint you. Stop. I've said this before. Stop. I don't know why you're surprised to hear Stop. Stop with this whole routine, this whole fatalistic black cloud. Nothing good is ever going to happen. Problem is, routine. it's not a routine. Hey, it's what do I have to say? What do I have to do to get through to you? How is this scene half the length of the previous? <laughs> the, pre the, the the clip with Gary and the Alderman. How is it half the length, but feels twice as long? Like it, it, <laughs> yeah. I feel a hundred years old after listening to that. Like it just, I'm so tired. I just, I said it once, and I'm gonna say it again. All functional relationships involve constantly screaming at each other about how things aren't working. I mean, that's Lauren and I go to bed like that every single night together. I don't know what y'all are talking about. But, and that's such a, and I think that is another. Um, feather in the cap of why of all the relationships on the show I find this one one of the more unpalatable is because like it is so emblematic of that fictional idea of romance where like and passion, passion and if we're not screaming at each other if we're not yelling we don't really care and like we're just bleh, 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 we're so like bleh. whatever like it's just and I think that's a uh, I mean <laughs> On the list of reasons why this doesn't work, this is one of the the larger ones I think for why it's it's yep. just so like uh, I just I recoil at this because like it's As it's just not re and I think it's and I think it's not only not real I think it's irresponsible to uh, portray because it does give and I granted I know this isn't a kids show this but like this is not an uncommon portrayal that like this is normal and this is the way it goes. And that's why you end up with people in such dysfunctional fucking relationships because they see this shit portrayed in media and they just go like, Oh, I guess this is how it's supposed they think to be. It's normal. Right. We're supposed to yell at each other all the time. And like, it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's what I thought in my first relationship. And then that ended, that went down in flames. So whereas I can probably count on one hand, the amount of times I've raised my voice to Lauren, or Lauren's raised her voice to me. Yeah, and same. Like here we are. Yeah. Eleven and a half years combined, later. combined. Even I think yeah. it's one hand. Yeah. Eleven and a half years later, just as in, just as in love as ever. It's almost like it's almost like regular calm communication is healthy and beneficial to a relationship. So yeah, mm. there's just there there is so much wrong with them as a pairing, but like 
I think the I think the Again, biggest takeaway is what an irresponsible portrayal it is of just like this this seems I, normal. Yeah, I think like again goes back to I love them as friends. I love them when we're having when they're having good calm moments as friends. But the minute you throw in the quote relationship drama and it's the two of them kind of figuring out how they work together or what they want or what it means or all that and it's just like I. I don't have time for this. Sit down and talk like adults, you guys. I got a nap nap and a juice box waiting for me. Like, let's go. Right. Yeah. It le- like, y'all, tone it down about seven It, it just leans into all of the, like, soap opera-ish aspects of the show that I am not a fan of. And, and unfortunately, you know, this isn't the last time that'll happen. Like, that'll happen kind of more and more as we get towards the end. But, like... It's it's why Grey's Anatomy has never appealed to me because I just Grey's Anatomy just is this and also like grenades up the ass like it's just like there's something <laughs> there's something wacky happening every week and also by the way no one can have a conversation like an adult there has to be everyone's fucking no one can right. talk like I just uh, I'm okay good. to be fair most of that has to do with Grey and her being one of the worst characters on television ever doesn't right. matter. In this essay, it's, another, I will. it's, no, it's like how about your mother? Everyone around the main character is wonderful, perfect, w- love. Write me. The main character is a giant sack. Write of me an ER episode where Meredith Grey dies of syphilis. Then, like, so that I I okay. get that pyrrhic victory of seeing Ted Mosby die. I on will screen. get Ellen Pompeo, and I will get the ER cast reunited. No, no, he just said write yeah, it. Just write. Oh, okay. It can be fanfic at this point. Like, we, okay. we've yes. all- Daniel, you know you're gonna get like. Six documents we've, from our listeners who are going to do. We've this all for you. seen the economy. A, I'm already, I'm already outlining it. She's at a medical conference in Chicago. So anyway, there's some really good, uh, excellent music score going on in the background as they hug. Um, it's like because they, they're all huffy about it. I'm sorry, Lizzie, I cut you off, but I really no, didn't fine. need to hear the rest of that bit. Um, <laughs> but so like they're all huffy. Carter goes storms away and gets in his car and. Abby's walking away, and then this this beautiful music wasted on this scene comes in, and all of a sudden, Carter st- pulls the car up by Abby, stops, and gets out, and they have this very meaningful hug. Everything's better. They love each other. So they've been chanting at AEW shows lately, hug it out, hug it out, hug it out. And then from there, we go to Luca scolding Molly's mom when Lizzie walks up with Ella. Hi, baby Ella. Um, And mom isn't going to let Molly come home. And Lizzie's like, you just have to try harder. Mom's like, no, that's bullshit. I've been trying. Enjoy her when she's this age, referring to Ella. She's not old enough to hate you. Again, like, and it it sort of feels like we're invoking the spirit of Rachel Green here, but we're not actually going to talk about it. And, like, I just feel like there's a missing scene in here where, like, there, and maybe there is, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm watching this on HBO Max. There could be a, a deleted scene that I'm not aware of where she, you know, does talk about that. But, like, it just feels like a missing piece of this story that you could have done with. And, like, as much as I, I think it deserves kind of its own thread in an episode, um, you could have done the Mrs. Sanberry thing any other time and made it an interesting B or C plot in an episode. Like, and give a little bit more shine to Lizzie. Give a little bit more, you know, give a chance for her to, like, open up about, you know, how that whole Rachel Green situation kind of blew up in her face and what she learned from it and, like, how she's, I don't know, maybe growing as a character. Like, but no, we can't have that. She's too close to the end. I'm sorry, Lauren interrupted my 
outline. I'm sure you fanfic writers can make it happen. You guys can fill in the blanks. I bet it'll be horny and weird. Just like Grey's Anatomy. Hey. hey. Uh, so let's go to our last audio clip here. Gallant and Luca are in the lounge. I was uh, I was trying to calm the baby. You know, with, with the glove, the balloon. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but he could have died. Yep, he didn't. I think you're one of the best medical students that's come through here in a long time. The place will be lucky to have you. A letter from me wouldn't mean much. They only tolerate me. No, I can burn through a shift. Tomorrow I'll get up and do it again. Have you thought about taking some time off? Yeah. Maybe moving home, I don't know. There's a cartoon I once saw in a magazine. A little man is sitting in a room with two doors. One door says, do not enter. And the other door says, do not exit. So um, he just sits there, holding his hat. We only have 15 minutes left. Did you want to keep talking? Or do you want to get to it? So I'll just say this. I know everybody's like, oh my god, this is Luca's dark period, but I'm just going to say, hey, at least he's talking to somebody. Right, no, it's like I said, when he first uh, sought out the services of uh, a certified... The cert- same sex worker, Certified sex worker. Uh, it's the healthiest thing he's done all season. Like, <laughs> yep, it's way better than any of the other stupid shit he was doing. So uh, I'm I'm not mad at him. I just uh, I feel bad for this lady who is not a therapist and uh, should not have to put up with this bullshit. Uh, She's like, this is not what I'm getting <laughs> right. paid for. Not her job. <laughs> like, ugh. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> sorry. Uh, there's a. Yeah, there's no, a very there's a there's a very twisted part of me that's like you could have an hour un, uninterrupted with Gordon Vishnik or you could listen to a morose European talk about his fucking problems <laughs> for an hour and get paid for it. Like uh, she really came up with the short end of the stick there. Well, he did move to do the deed at the end there. Yeah, I guess so. After he's been drinking whiskey for like forty five hey. minutes straight. It's Luca. Okay, <sighs> no, nope, we're good. But we're how good, do we? Good, but good, how do good. we feel about uh, Gallant and Luca as a you know mentor, mentor mentee type thing? You know, like we we talked about. I like. We talked it. about how you know him and uh, Lucy was a missed opportunity. You know, and how him and Chen was a missed opportunity. And I feel like there's a lot of it's a recurring theme here that there's there's lots of these like glimpses of ooh this could be interesting. Nah, we're not gonna like. Because I don't, I don't really yeah. recall there being much of substance between these two, you know, as a, as a pairing. Dis- uh, disappointment. Right. Again, because he doesn't look at Gallant and say, "I can fix her." Ah. And then we see, uh, we, as we start to wrap wrap up the episode, we see Susan and Chen getting a cab to head off to Vegas again. Give me that episode. 
do the hangover uh does county general like give me give me that have jerry go with them and jerry be the one that they lose like give me that have yes. give, give me jerry in a strip club just wasted out of his mind like that's that's what i need or have or have jerry be their zach galifianakis and I'm trying to think who, like, the missing person would be. Clooney. It's case, always but. Clooney. Clooney shows up yeah. in the middle of it, high on mushrooms. Or or he <laughs> or he just is his character from Ocean's Eleven. Like, and we don't acknowledge it. We don't acknowledge that the guy from Ocean's Eleven looks exactly like Doug Ross. And the whole time, Susan just keeps going, that looks a lot like Doug. I know you didn't work with Doug for very long, Chen, but, like, that looks a lot like Doug, doesn't it? Like, give me that. I want that episode. Uh, but Susan hears the press conference going on, turns the volume up on the TV, uh, and Carrie looking just like fucking shell shocked, like thousand yard stare in the background. Uh, in in real time, she's trying to uh, sneak out the back, and because the, the the press conference is not live, I'm assuming, or else you know Carrie's a fucking shapeshifter. Uh. Uh, you know this is a taped thing on the news, but like Carrie's trying to slink out the back door here and. Rough day for Carrie here. But I ultimately a jam-packed episode, but I think a pretty fucking good one. Like Yeah, 8.5 out of 10. I was going to say 8. It's a lot of a lot of shit going on. There's a lot of stuff to not like here too. Yeah, I would I could do with in my opinion, as o- as so always like, I could do with a lot less emphasis on Carter and Abby. Like I could And the whole arsenic thing just seems completely pointless oh it's a complete waste it is a complete waste yeah like i i want that episode or i want that story to be in a different episode and i want it to be given proper uh significance and screen time like cut that down give me a little bit less carter and abby bullshit and give me a whole lot more romano and lizzie bullshit like i i want those two having way more of a heart to heart um but just just purely on the strength of of uh weaver and luca though I think those two are carrying this episode by far. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That's why it gets an eight and not like a seven or something from me. We we had one listener that just, I don't think it's in the responses, but it absolutely killed me when we were talking about like, you know, how much we uh, rail on St. Carter or whatever and Carter and Abby. And this listener goes, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think it was too much. But then again, whenever Carter's on screen, I don't pay attention. <laughs> See, he's got he's got go away heat like he's got i don't want to or it was it was it was carter uh main character carter energy yeah. that's what it was and just so i just i appreciated that just made me smile but what, i think we're slow we're slowly getting out of the john carter main character thing like they're already shifting away from that good <sighs> but what the listeners have to say about it lauren oh my god there's so much to read oh no hold on let me let me zoom in because my eyesight's like an 80 year old man um first off we have emma f says laura inez's acting is amazing in this episode the slow zoom in on her panicking while she's watching them attempt to save keith in surgery is chilling then her voice cracking when she's talking to the alderman about what happened so heartbreaking laura inez plays vulnerable so well we saw it with her, her poignant scene with alan alda Oh, God, that was 80 years ago. And when she tells Carol about the old dying woman she thought was her birth mother, she changes her voice and cadence in a way that perfectly captures that state when your emotions are just taking you over. We're used to her being tough and confident most of the time, that whenever she has a vulnerable and anxious moments on the show, 
they hit you extra hard. I also love Susan's reactions and facial expressions throughout the episode as she pieces it together. The dynamic between her and Carrie is so good. Not much else stood out to me in this episode, which has been a theme in season 9. While this one storyline with Carrie and the Alderman is good, it does feel like it's played more for drama and suspense rather than nuanced and carefully crafted arc for Carrie that influences her character going forward. At username 11 says, I call this episode the one where Weaver kills Ted. I like it as a low-key spiritual cousin to Love's Labor Lost, where things are okay until they aren't as we watch a long downward spiral. Quite a contrast between Alderman Bright, who is very who is true slime through the, throughout the episode while never letting his mask slip, versus Carrie, who is three seconds away from combusting from anxiety at any given moment. I guess political life isn't for her after all. While I don't condone any of her actions, while I don't condone any of her decisions in this arc, I do have some sympathy for her. She never meant for any of this to happen, and her scene where she tries to calmly conspire with the intubated Keith to save her own skin under the guise of protecting Jonathan is chilling. Aristotle said the best endings are surprising but inevitable, and I believe this one delivers on that. While Laura Inez deserves all the praise she gets here, I love Susan as an unsung hero as well. She connects all the dots and never truly lets Weaver off the hook. Other stuff? Luca is still in his gray period, and it seems as if this has been going on forever. Elizabeth is probably wondering where this discipline camp was when Rachel was living with her. I just... kind of. And Carter is still a Nimrod. <laughs> there you go, Lauren. Your uh, Instagram bio writes itself. Three seconds away from combusting from Cart. anxiety at any given moment. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, Alina M says, What I liked about this episode, we got some more insight of Luca's struggles, and the little plot twist of Luca not talking to a shrink but to his regular sex worker is pretty good. What I didn't like, basically everything else. While Laura Inez gives a great performance as usual, I have a hard time believing that Weaver would allow herself to be so manipulated by Alderman Bright. And Susan, who definitely knows what Weaver did and has been portrayed as the moral center this season, does nothing but more than give her a look. Gamma, I guess it's her nearing end that makes her suddenly very supportive. Or maybe she just doesn't care anymore. <sighs> Abby and Carter, ugh. This is when they are getting really annoying. The fighting is ridiculous, but the making up even more. Abby, where is your dignity? That being said, both could clearly benefit from learning to communicate. Abby thinks she's doing exactly what Carter wants, but Carter is frustrated because he feels so out of the loop. He tends to react passive-aggressively when things get tough and it's not a good look. It's obvious Carter has a lot of mommy issues as his relationship with Abby parallels his relationship with his mother. Whew. Um, and last but certainly not least, we have at the full-time dad. Uh, when I look back at Carrie's arc, the Alderman arc really stands out as the point where I think she truly realized the cost of her ambition. Yes, she will finally ascend to the top of the hospital food chain, further demoralize Rocket, and attain what she had dreamed about since the day she became an attending, but the blood on her hands was even too much for her to bear. I truly believe that this storyline informs her choice in season 13 to fall on her sword to save Luca's job. I'm glad to see the Alderman storyline end. As a jaded ex-journalist, I'm aware that politicians are capable of anything when it comes to preserving or expanding their power, even the ones you support. But this level of brazen corruption is even a lot for me to stomach. Both he and Carrie are fortunate that the, 
the Tribune reporter wasn't snooping around that day, otherwise they'd both be aconned. Translation, locked up, they won't let me out. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com, where for the low price of only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and over 70 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes. We're rapidly approaching the season nine one. It's only, it's only what, like a month away Just now? Just about. Will it be done before Jake gets married? Yes, That's the I, big I have already done the calendar math because that was a very <laughs> large concern of mine. <laughs> Are we going to do the All season right, nine then. wrap up live at Jake's wedding? That... <laughs> at his wedding? Absolutely. During the I'm ceremony in. too. So he's just, we're just going to set up a podcast table on the. I'm not, I'm not emceeing his wedding. I'm just using it as a ruse. So he'll have to like yell at me to stop so we can get season nine done. There we go. Uh, a free-form only bonus show called The Lounge. Movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member and character retrospectives where we reflect on departed main cast members. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, and we are at Podcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Sign the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel Worth. Can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U.E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Uh, folks can find me on my Instagram at Lobo92345, though pretty soon I will disappear into the new cozy game Void and not come out for probably three months. So, I might just vanish for a while. I'm going to disappear into the Starfield void starting tomorrow night. So, oh yeah, this game's going to be, that game's going to eat my life in a good way. Uh, so, you can pro- probably find me on, yeah, on Instagram. Uh, yeah, I'm at, do it. I'm at randomgamer1. That's G A M 3 R, just like my Twitter account that you've been hearing for years now god almost four years god, i think i long. think as of when this episode drops i think it will be yeah. four years yep jesus, jesus tap dancing christ uh, well thanks again everyone very much for listening for the billionth time in four years and thank please try to get next time and have a great week <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>